I think you know what a podcast is. Podcasts contain spoilers. Conjure magic for you and you'll be distracted. Ruin the plot for you and still your roar. We'll bring you spoilers for the film Gladiator and you will love us for it. Hello, I'm Adam, and you're listening to Diabolical, Evil Schemes Done Better, the podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes and try to improve them. This week, we shall be casting our judgment on Ridley Scott's epic, Gladiator. So, Peril Pals, ready. Panel of Peril, ready. Three, two, one. Let's get diabolical. Welcome one and all to another episode. My opening question to the panel is, what is your favourite film, one-on-one, fight to the death? We'll start with Raining Champ, the best, the best, the best. Hello, the best, the best, the best here. And, you know, despite it being one of the better opening questions we've had on the podcast, I actually drew a blank for quite a while. So the best that I could come up with as the best, the best, the best is the closing fight in The Wrestler between Randy the Ram Robinson and the Ayatollah. Spoilers for the end of that film. Mm. Is that a fight to the death? Do you remember the ending? Well, he does die, doesn't he? But yeah. is that <laughs> was that intended, though? <laughs> but it, was... it is a fight <laughs> to the death because he dies. <laughs> yeah, is the fight the cause of death, though? Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. Then. That's, yeah, that's legit. <laughs> and a litany, a history of medical problems. Well, that mainly. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, if it helps, mine doesn't die, and it's not a fight to the death, so. Okay, kind of balances out. Fire away. Hi, Ben here. And my favourite fight to death is not a fight to death at all, but it is kind of a fight to death. It's Matthew Broderick and Jim Carrey in Cable Guy when they're fighting oh. in medieval times. And Jim Carrey. Oh, going, yeah. Da, 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 da. That's great. And I think Stephen does believe it's a fight to the death, doesn't he? He does, yeah. <laughs> and maybe he's right. <laughs> Hard to tell. (laughs) Craig here. Turner didn't specify film fight to the death. I think I did. So I would have picked the man versus otter bar fight from Brass Eye. (laughs) But because we're going films, I'll say the Super Brawl from the Matrix Revolutions. That's a good one. It's not bad. Where despite the large number of agents Smith, Neo does take one on. Mono a mono. Yeah. Super Agent Smith. Very good. And as for me, I've gone for one of the all-time greats, Ripley versus the Queen Alien in Aliens. Yeah. It's a pretty hard one to top, in my opinion. Oh, get away from her, you bitch. Yeah, exactly. Finding itself alone, riding in green fields, yeah or mare, isn't troubled as it is found in the Elysium of Opinions about the films of 2000. So, can I have a yeah or mare for the following, please? Gone in 60 seconds. I've never seen it. Never seen it. No, me neither. Never seen it? No. Am I the only one that's seen it, then? It's one of those films that seems (laughs) essential in hindsight, but I think about 2002 and a racing film with Nick Cage and 
Angelina Jolie didn't seem like what I wanted to be watching in 2002. 2000, actually. Yeah, but I didn't see it uh, appear on <laughs> the video shelves <laughs> until 2002. <laughs> that's what I go by. <laughs> yeah, you only started thinking about it in 2002. Exactly. So that's when it counts. Yeah, exactly. Enough. That's fair. Yeah, okay. I never got the timing right. Every time I went to Blockbuster, they said it just sold out. They said, oh, every time that's got to be a tumbleweed. Got to be a tumbleweed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about Castaway? Yeah. yeah. Or you've never seen it. Somewhere in between. Just never really appealed to me. Fair enough. It's too much enough. after he escapes. Too much Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, Unbreakable. Yeah. It's a Bobby Dazzler, I tell you. Yeah, Unbreakable yeah. is good. And, okay. funnily enough, I should say Bobby Dazzler, because my last pick for that year is Bedazzled. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I watched it recently, and I didn't like it as much as I did when it came out. Mm. I did find it very funny at the time. Yeah. Especially the bit where he's the world's most sensitive man mm. and he writes a song about dolphins. <laughs> it's okay. Probably not just age well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, how about you, you the two? I've never seen uh, it. Never seen it? Meh. I think it's more miss than hit. There's a couple of good bits, but yeah. so that's probably about it. We have already cast our judgment on another film of 2000, Crouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Would you believe it? It was all the way back in episode 31. Give it a listen. Why not? Gladiator tells the story of the powerful and respected General Maximus. He receives his final order from Emperor Marcus Aurelius to return to Rome and to transfer power to the Senate to establish a people's republic ending the rule of the Caesars. Unfortunately, the bitter and ambitious son of the Emperor, Commodus, kills his father in rage at being passed over as heir in favour of his father's favourite general. Commodus dispatches riders to kill the general's family and assumes his guard have taken care of Maximus, but he has survived. Gladiator was released in the UK on the 12th of May 2000. It had a budget of approximately $103 million grossed an impressive 460 million at the box office. Critically acclaimed, it won five Academy Awards, including visual effects, sound mixing, costume design, best picture, and best actor for Russell Crowe's compelling portrayal as Maximus. Gladiator's legacy is enduring to this day, and a long-awaited sequel is due for a release later this year. Before we get into what we thought of the film, I have some questions for the panel. The best, the best, the best. Hello. An early working title during production was The Emperor's New Groove. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I might not know my ones plus twos, but I'm pretty sure that that is a Disney film. So I'm going to say false. Well, it was. It's true. They only discovered Disney had, had a movie the same name. They changed it to Gladiator after all. So, yeah. It's actually <laughs> really? true. Would you believe it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. Hey, you know, you know what I say to that? The best, the best, the best. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Craig. Yes. Joaquin Phoenix is so dedicated to method acting that on set, he demanded that he was emperor of catering and that a throne <laughs> be made entirely from baguettes. 
True or false? <laughs> what, Wacky Phoenix? Yeah, true. 100% true. No, it's false. It was made, oh, of, sa- oh, it was made of sausage rolls. Baguettes no. don't possess the same amount of rigid strength. Sausages, oh, so, rookie yeah. mistake. You lulled rookie. me in with the, the half truth, didn't you? If you'd put on your, your structural engineer's hat yeah. and then thought along those lines, you would have realised straight away. My structural right? engineer hat collapsed, sadly. So. It did, yeah. It was made of baguettes and not yeah, sausages. That was my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're being light-hearted, but baguettes are way stronger than a sausage roll. Uh, yeah. Only if they're allowed to go stale, I would say. Which... I'd imagine if they're being used for a throne, they would. But yeah, but it's, it's catering on a, on a set, so they had to, they had to improvise immediately. And the only thing they had was fresh baguettes or fresh sausage rolls, and they made the uh, decision, and it was the right one. So who am I to argue? I'm no yeah. chef. I mean, it, it's a fact. So yeah, all right. Finally, Ben. I'm free. Vendi vidi visi is Latin for na 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 na. <laughs> I think that has to be true, doesn't it? No, it's. <laughs> False, of course. Oh. It's actually, I came, I saw, I conquered. And apparently it was the message supposedly sent by Julius Caesar to the Roman Senate to describe his battle against King Pharnaces near Zella in 47 BC, would you believe? Yeah, I would believe That's it. That's a widely held misconception, of course. Because it means I had wine, I watched TV, and I had cheese. <laughs> That's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was the Roman equivalent of a Netflix and chill. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> now let's move on to our thoughts on Gladiator. Craig, with a cinematic crowd in your head chanting, live, 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 or kill, kill, kill. Sometimes I wasn't listening to them. So it's, it's a bit of a roller coaster for me, Gladiator. It's, there's some aspects of it that I think are great, and I really enjoy watching some of it. And then there are other times when I'm just really not engaged with it at all. Hmm. So it's difficult. Like I, I like a lot of stuff about it, but there's a lot of stuff about it that I don't like. Such as? Well, so it's a on paper a swords and sandals epic, but initially hmm. it and this is a stylistic decision, and I respect it, but it doesn't feel epic at the start. It feels kind of tight and contained. Later on, it feels mm. epic when Commodus returns to Rome. And In terms of things that I love, I think all the cast are great. Mm. This was the first thing I personally saw Joaquin Phoenix in as an adult. I'd seen him in Parenthood previously, but he was like a teenager. And he was like a revelation in this to mm. me. I thought he was so good. Russell Crowe, obviously, solid. Ollie Reed steals the thing. He's so great. And then you got like smaller roles padded out by people like Derek Jacobi. And, it, you know, that, that was one of the aspects of it that I loved. There's a lot of camera stuff in it that I hate. Uh, mm. I really hate that dropped frame rate slow-mo that was popular at the time. Agreed. I love the Tony Scott style camera spin in this when they're in the arena and the camera's going around them and, like uh, Maximus's gaze is kind of following the crowd around in time with it. I think that's great. I think the effects are really good, like the the, the tiger and stuff. The music is brilliant, but quite often Mm. I feel it doesn't match the visual. Like, it's more epic than what I'm looking at. Mm. Felt a bit Pirates of the Caribbean at times, didn't it? Yeah, I think obvious comparisons there, but just it's more like my problem with it was, like in that first battle sequence, for example, the music is terribly stirring, but the visuals are kind of... Saving Private Ryan style close-up horror of war type thing, and they didn't seem to really gel thematically. 
Jimon Honsu, I love in this. I think this is the first yeah. thing I saw him in. He's in Amistad as well, isn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. But I didn't see that till later for some reason. Yeah. There are times when the, the screenplay kind of sparkles and it's witty, and there are other times when it feels hopelessly stilted. There's there's a couple of things that really bother me about it as well. Like one of them is Marcus Aurelius. What a fucking dummy! Like <laughs> he has this whole plan mapped out, and he tells his known to be psychotic son about it in private. Like, why didn't he tell everybody else first? I don't think he knows he's psychotic. I think he's just he. he uh, this is uh, this is the genius in Joaquin Phoenix's um, portrayal of him. He just goes uh. from this like basically like a teenager. And then when he kills his father, all of a sudden he's just like this ruthless, cold killer that's willing to stop at nothing to get what he wants. But he has literally just told his sister, "Yeah, Commodus is not a moral man." Yeah, but I just, I, I just don't think he's, I mean, not having morals. I mean, I think maybe he'd be a crappy emperor, or whatever. But I don't think he was thinking he was gonna. He was so low in morals that he would kill his own father. Perhaps. And then the other thing that I find a bit stupid about it is how quickly everybody turns on Maximus when he was so beloved the, the scene prior. Well, you have to, don't you? Show fidelity to the Emperor. It's the Praetorians, isn't it? And they're like the fanatical guard of the Caesars, aren't they? I think they swear an oath of loyalty to the Emperor. Well, <laughs> just following orders, eh? Yeah. Anyway, the best of the best of the best. Yeah, I still really like it. Uh watched it with my son Dylan probably about a month ago and we both really enjoyed it then and i enjoyed it myself on this rewatch i kind of get what you what you mean with the the clip frame rate during the opening battle in germania yeah i actually think it works quite well sort of highlighting the the confusion of that kind of hand-to-hand battle the disorientation and just not knowing what the fuck's going on. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just feel like it's slightly incongruous. So you've got that, and it's juxtaposed with this more old Hollywood epic score, and they just don't mesh for me. It seems like it's got two different competing ambitions in what kind of story it wants to tell. Hmm. The music, like uh, like Ben was saying, genuinely, <laughs> I watched Pirates of the Caribbean a couple of days ago. It's fucking note for note. The two main themes are Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean. I was blown away. Yeah, absolutely crazy. The performances, Russell Crowe is tremendous, obviously. Star-making turn, he'd, he'd been in LA mm. Confidential, Romper Stomper, and a, a few other small roles, Strange uh, strange Days. Uh, but this is obviously his breakout role and just charisma on screen, just from his, his first shot looking at the, the Robin landing on the, the tree branch. You, you know you're looking at a movie star straight away there mm. yeah as you do now in something like the pope's exorcist which uh <laughs> we've talked about yeah. briefly before is his star power shines through that is so good <laughs> yeah and as turner was saying whacking phoenix i think it's just absolutely brilliant in this film he's a despicable mm-hmm. character in most ways commodus but especially during the scene that i'm going to mention as my favorite He's acting in a in a horrible, despicable way, but there's still a bit of sympathy for him, which I think is yeah. it's not always a good thing with a villain in a film, but in this case, because of Phoenix's mm. performance, I find mm. it just incredibly moving, despite what's mm. happening on screen. 
I think it's a really special performance, and I think it's it's bizarre that he wasn't even was he nominated. He certainly he was nominated win. for best supporting actor. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. he didn't win yeah. though, did he? Crow won. Yes, yeah, leading actor, got, didn't he? Yeah, Crow won, but he didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like that sympathy for him is kind of perfectly paced to peter out as the film goes on, though, isn't it? Because like by the time you get to him threatening his sister and her kid, I feel that sympathy that I had for him initially has gone at that point but it feels like it's dripped out at a perfect pace throughout the whole story. Yeah, it does. It's it's like a yeah. slow descent into madness, isn't it? But then by mm. the time Commodus is striking the killing blow on him, there's sort of a, a childlike quality to him again once he knows that he's been defeated. Yeah. And it's not, not complete sympathy for him because obviously he's a monster and if he had survived, uh, I think many, many people would have suffered greatly. But yeah. again, it's that skill yeah. in Phoenix's performance. He's he's one of the greatest actors of his generation, beyond any doubt. Um, to oh, humanise, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree with those sentiments. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I caught uh, Bo is Afraid uh, last week, and he's unbelievable in that. Yeah, I watched it the other day too. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much, Ben. Well, I really enjoyed this watch through. It was the first since we went to watch it in the cinema back in. The hazy wow. May of 2000. Wow. And I thought for the f- most part, it holds up pretty well. I agree with Craig that the weird sped up slow-mo looks a bit dated, but I think the story and the cast and the characters are so compelling that you forget, you forgive pretty easily. The action sequences are immense. And right from the fields of Germania to the Colosseum in Rome, there's a real like, kind of visceral realism that puts you right in the thick of it so overall i give it if you're looking to be entertained this film will take you to elysium out of five nice speaking of elysium that's one of the other things i really love about it how that's realized visually it looks like a painting and it, it has a real feeling to it as well i think ridley scott's very good at internalizing characters feelings visually yeah well as for me Obviously, I, I love this film. Uh, I've seen it countless times over the years. And again, it's one of those when you've got your, your podcasting head on, it just seems to, to grow that much taller in, in movie regards anyway. Um, I absolutely love this watch. Um, I think, like like everybody said, the, the, the whole cast is absolutely fantastic. Russell Crowe, obviously, is put out there as the lead and he grabs it with both hands and obviously he won the Oscar for it but equally Joaquin Phoenix overlooked should have had the best supporting actor I don't know who won it for that particular year but I just think it's an absolute tragedy he didn't get it because this is such an incredible role for him and an equally incredible performance saying that as well I thought Connie Nielsen was fantastic the way she, she interacted with both Maximus and with Commodus, and there was the vulnerability and the strength there. And then I love Ridley Scott's production of it. I think people have had a go at him recently for Napoleon saying it's not historically accurate, and neither is Gladiator, but it doesn't matter so much. I think it's as true as you can get with a few little tweaks essentially, but I just loved some of the panning shots of like um, the streets of Rome and things like that. And then with the Colosseum in the background 
and it just looks great. And and I know the, some of the CGI is a bit shiny now, but it still mm. looks quite good. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for for twenty, getting on for twenty five years, it's yeah. it's not bad. It's great. It's no Starship Troopers, but it's good. Yeah, <laughs> it does actually. Yeah, I watched Starship Troopers recently, and um, that's what was that ninety eight, isn't it? And that that actually, I was like, can't believe the CGI still know, looks yeah, as it's good. Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, same with same with this. I think this will continue to be held in high regard for a very long time. So yeah, love it. Let's move on to favourite sequences, and we shall go with Ben. Well, I mentioned that there's a ton of great action sequences throughout this. And I could probably pick any one of them. But the moment that stole the show for me was kind of an accidental moment because I watched this film with Millie. And as Ollie Reed's character as the kind of head of the troop of gladiators returns to Rome and he gets out of his cart and he's looking around and he's, you know, he's, he's glad to be back after his kind of exile after Marcus Aurelius banned the gladiatorial games. As soon as he stepped off his car and started looking around, Millie next to me just goes, rich, fancy bastard. (laughs) (laughs) And I absolutely pissed myself. And so that was the highlight of the film for me. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I had um, a similar experience to um, Oliver Reed when uh, I visited Rome many years ago standing outside the Colosseum, looking up in quiet awe at what's now left of the building, before someone came running over to me going, look out, look out, look out! And I turned round, and there was a massive horse about to fucking trample me, and I had to dive out of the way. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, horse-drawn carriages There's still got horses in Rome. Yeah, horse-drawn carriages. Um, yeah, oh, like, yeah, of uh, course, yeah, like you see in Central Park, that kind of thing, but just going along. Past the Colosseum, yeah, right, and, okay. and all, all that jazz. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yes. There we go. Craig, your favourite sequence, please. I just love the sequence after Maximus has given up and near death and is uh, then rescued and carried across the, the wastes with the maggots and his wound and everything. Yeah. Um, just half in and out of consciousness. I, I really like that, the whole sequence. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, great. I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier, how uh, Ridley Scott's able to kind of differentiate between these different mental states visually. Yeah. So yeah. You, you understand completely what's yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's great. I suspect the best of the best of the best that you and I, judging from what you said earlier about your favourite sequence, <laughs> are going to have the same one. Uh, and it's a bit of a powerhouse, so I'll let you take that away. Why, thank you. Well, it's, it's a bit of a twofer. It's my favourite sequence and it's got my favourite lines in it so i'll just do one line the sequence is uh when commodus kills marcus aurelius mm-hmm. purely for phoenix's performance i think it's yeah. just it's just brilliant how he slowly breaks down his voice becomes a whisper as he's trying not to cry and then yeah. he does cry and his face creases like a small child and he's just pushing his father's face into his own chest and stomach and bellowing and yeah, I think Phoenix is absolutely incredible in that sequence. 
Yeah. I'll just mm-hmm. do one line since I imagine you've got many lines from it also, Tina. I'll just I'll take I search the faces of the gods to please you, to make you proud. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a yeah. good one. That's iconic. Mm. That is very nice, yeah. 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 My 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 favourite scene is the exact same one for the same reason. Mm. Um his performance in that scene is unbelievable. But it, Richard Harris obviously reciprocates and you can see him tearing up mm. at one point when he drops to his knees and his eyes yeah. start to fill up and, and I'm like, Fuck me, this is this is what cinema is between, you know, this raw emotion and i wonder what kind of memory that joaquin phoenix was drawing on to get that upset really and um and angry at the same time it's just yeah trapping his uh the end of his knob in a zipper <laughs> that makes you angry uh, and sad you have to lower the tone and spoil the moment don't you you really do uh, yeah and harris yeah he says uh your failing as a son is my yeah. feeling as a father yeah. And yeah. what I thought he was drawing on there was, although he's obviously a huge legend now, at the time, Jared Harris is probably best known for the uh, Lost in Space <laughs> movie. Who's <laughs> he in that? I've never actually seen it. Yeah, he, he plays the grown-up <laughs> Will Robinson. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's a very nice yeah. observation. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> now that's how you make a joke land. Yeah. Do you reckon you could actually hug a man to death? Hug hard enough. Yeah, he's a frail old yeah. man, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I need to work Easy. on my hugging skills. <laughs> Come with kindness, don't you? I would, I would like to say uh, my least favourite sequence is any, anything with Quintus in it, the actor, because he just can't be asked doing not an American accent. So I don't, like, I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> just like well, everybody, Adam, everybody else tried. Do you know tried. for a fact that... Romans didn't have American accents. Yes. Prove it. I've, I've been back in time. Why do they have English accents? Why is Derek Jacobi's accent fine? He was on the Dinky Donk. Hey, that's an <laughs> unsubstantiated rumour. <laughs> it's a claim he neither confirms nor denies. And <laughs> uh, since you've got the mic, Craig, can you give us one of your favourite lines, please? I mean, I've got a few, some more earnest than others. Okay, well, let's just go with one for now, and then we'll, sure. if we come back round, we'll... Yeah, uh... fucking Charles Dickens. <laughs> uh, I, I think if I had to pick one... Which you do. The most earnest one would, would be the one, so... <laughs> He'll give them death, and they'll love him for it. Yeah. Just, That's just a line, isn't A very it? stirring line. Mm. Yeah. Delivered very well. I like the duality... The idea that they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Because what they say about Commodus and his one good quality as, as emperor, or his one quality that drives him to success, is that he understands the mob, he understands the crowd, and gives them what they want. And obviously that is what Maximus does as well. So he, he could be talking about both of them there, couldn't he? He'll, he'll give them death and they'll love him for it. So that's why yeah. I, I love that line. I think it's great. Mm. Yeah. And Ben. Well, Craig mentioned earlier that Ollie Reed steals the show, and mm-hmm. I would have to agree. I loved him in this. And so the line I've chosen is from Oliver Reed mm-hmm. We mortals are but shadows and dust. Shadows and dust, Maximus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very nice. Yeah. Uh, the best, the best, the best. You've already given us one. You give us a link with a sequence on a line, didn't you? So you can give us okay, another one well, if you want. I'll go. One more from the same sequence then. 
when Commodus says, I would butcher the whole world if only for you to love me. Yeah. That's an illustration of his oncoming psychotic nature that perhaps was yeah. always there. And again, yeah. I find it very, very moving. I think it's quite a relatable thing to want the approval of your parents. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like you were saying earlier, that's the side, even though he's obviously psychotic and, and um, things, that's the side that you can't help feel a bit of sympathy for. The yeah. fact that he just it really yeah. all all that behaviour just stems from just feels he's completely unloved and, and not worthy. My favourite line is where he's explaining what's going to happen now. Their plot has been uncovered and and smashed. You're going to give me an air. Am I not merciful? Am I not merciful? Yeah. That's brilliant. Another sort of fingernails into the seat of to the sofa and stuff. Great. Another. Fantastic Joaquin Phoenix moment. Uh, Craig, yeah, you said you had a, another line, maybe? Yeah, there's a couple of lines. There's not a ton of comedy in Gladiator, obviously, but there's a couple of light-hearted <laughs> lines that I really love. One from my the scene that I picked as my favourite, where he's told by Jimon Hansu's character, don't die, they'll feed you to the lions, they're worth more than we are. Which is <laughs> great. Yeah. And later on, he asks Maximus of his family, do they hear you in the afterlife? What do you say to them? And he tells him, Something yeah. like, oh, to my son, I love him. And to my wife, that's not your business. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to speculate on what he said, what do you think he would have said? Uh, probably... <laughs> uh, uh, Gives a blowjob. I hope you're not doing too much shagging in Elysium. But if, <laughs> if you are, take the opportunity to learn some fucking technique, will you? Because I've been at war for years. <laughs> And I don't want to come back to that old standard that you used to do. Yeah. I want to wrap some bloody minge around it. Like. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> like a dead horse. <laughs> After he kills his dad and gets rid of Maximus, Commodus thinks he has it all stitched up. He pops off back to Rome and holds a hundred days of games to honour his father. Little does he know, Maximus has survived and become a slave that has now become a gladiator. After the big reveal of who the Spaniard really is, the heat is on Commodus. Paranoid and suspecting treachery, Commodus is guided by Senator Falco and they move against their enemies until the plot to reinstall Maximus at the head of an army marching into Rome, is foiled. Ben, what did you think of Commodus's plot? I thought it was pretty dastardly. You know, it kicks off with him murdering his father, then lying about who his father made heir. Then, as we discussed earlier, it's how he understands the mob and gives them what they want, distracts them through uh, the games. He is in a bit of a bind in that he can't just outright execute Maximus because of his standing in society. But uh, I've solved that little issue. Don't you worry about that. Oh, we'll wait and see. So for the kind of give and take, you know, the strengths of the plan, the weakness of the plan, he's going to get 10 florets of regurgitated broccoli because I think that's what they did in Rome. They'd eat it, then they'd regurgitate it, then they'd eat it again, and then they'd regurgitate it again. And only on the second regurgitation would they leave it expelled. 
What? <laughs> What's that about? It's my knowledge of Rome. Just is it? Give you a bit of history lesson. Oh, so they okay. make uh, broccoli uh-huh. and Stilton soup, isn't it? That's how I do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the old way. Very good. Uh, the best, the best, the best. Yeah, pretty much what Ben said. He knows that he can command the loyalty of his guardsmen. Because essentially, as soon as he kills his father, everybody knows that he's done it. They're all like looking at him accusingly, but they can't do anything. He's got their loyalty, even if he hasn't got their respect. Putting the games on to control the mob. He's ordered Maximus to be killed. I think, is it three people that Maximus manages to overpower whilst being shackled? Yeah. So realistically you would expect those three guys to kill him and it's just it's bad luck isn't it as it usually mm. is for, for quite a lot of these plans it's bugger in it and then not just executing maximus i guess mm. yeah yeah greg uh, yeah i'd largely go along with that i do think that there are aspects of his plan that are kind of rash and impulsive and reactive and probably could be thought through a bit better you know instead of sending three guys Send four. Sort of, sort of thing I'm thinking about. I think there were five, weren't there? Because there was a couple standing guard. Yeah. There were quite a few. Yeah, they still fucked up. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 planned very well, but as is so often the case, uh, some of the execution is driven by emotion rather than logic. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think. Uh... The final act, he wants to be seen as the ultimate warrior sort of thing, doesn't he? And um, to beat Maximus on a one-on-one, even though he's, he's sort of underhandedly given him a shank in his back. Mm. Yeah, that's that's his downfall, isn't it? Poor old Commodus got so close, but so far away. I think the real Commodus did enter into the gladiatorial battles, didn't he? Isn't that right? Uh, yes, he did. He used to, I think he shot at animals in from like a, a platform, a raised platform they used to release bears and stuff in, into the Colosseum okay. and then he was there I think with a bow and stuff shooting at him and then challenged, he challenged um, the crowd as well, challenged people from the crowd to fight uh, <laughs> Yeah, and apparently usually killed them as well Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Do you think if Commodus had not have fought Maximus he would have lived till an older age, like retirement age and become known as Commodus 64 This this is just getting too much now. Is, 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 there, is there a way to mute him just as he's speaking? <laughs> right, this is the part of the show where we compete to improve Commodus's plan for precious, precious herald points. Despite having most of his enemies eliminated or neutralised, Maximus remains his obstacle to ruling the Empire. Commodus stages a match where Maximus has apparently challenged him to a duel, but Commodus gets in a sneaky shank to his back before they've even set foot in the Colosseum. However, Maximus is too great a warrior for a mortal wound to bother him and soon turns Commodus's dagger into his neck. He then also collapses before his own death. Can we do any better? Craig, what have you got for us? 
Commodus must make his enemy look like a pussy in the eyes of his adoring crowd. And what better way to emasculate Maximus than to reveal him to be a Fugazi fraud and a cat daddy? It's the day of the gladiator's epic brawl with Tigress of Gaul. And to the shock and amazement of the crowd, the combatants are joined by those fiercest and most exotic of the big cats, adult tigers. Maximus fends off both his human and feline foes before laying Tigris low and refusing him a warrior's death. Commodus struts out into the arena to a chorus of boos and jeers until he comes face to face with his father's true heir and then does something the general and the gen pop did not expect. He places his own head inside a tiger's mouth. (laughs) He laughs at their shocked faces and heads around to the back of the tiger where he tickles its arsehole, lifts its <laughs> tail, and shows the crowd the scar where its scrotum once was. Are you kidding me? He shouts mockingly. It's all a sham. Your champion fights against mere pussycats. Proximo's tigers have no teeth and no bollocks. They are eunuchs. And a little bird tells me these giraffes are queer. The giraffes in the arena had gone largely unnoticed when the perceived threat of the tigers was a factor, but now Maximus sees them, fully armoured, masturbating themselves with their prehensile tongues and riding unicycles. (laughs) Furthermore, declares Commodus to the crowd, these swords are fake! He demonstrates the spring-loaded nature of a weapon before tossing it aside. And as for Tigress of Gaul, why, he is three children wearing a trench coat. (laughs) The crowd gasp collectively as their Caesar whips off the coat they hadn't been conscious of, revealing the stacked toddlers beneath. The crowd has seen enough, and a dismayed and confused Maximus falls to his knees, sobbing at the thought of having attacked these poor little bastards. They yell, you big phony, what a little slag. (laughs) As Commodus retires to his private chambers, he toasts the success of his plan with his collaborators, illusionists and tiger tamers, Sigus Fridus and Roistus Doistus of Gaul. (laughs) (laughs) It was all an elaborate magic show. Well done. So the crowd suitably convinced that basically Maximus is prowess in the Colosseum and other fighting pits thus far has been a sham. Exactly right, yeah. Yeah, but his prowess as a general is still unblemished, isn't it? I think they, because the mob in Rome are thick as pig shit, they assume that all his battles were fake as well. Like most public mobs, aren't they? They're very fickle. Yeah. And and, once they go, oh, look, shiny, shiny over here. Oh, what was that other thing I was trying to do before? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, once you tell them yeah. that COVID is fake, yeah. they they yeah. don't believe in it. And you tell them that vaccines have DNA markers attached to them and stuff, they do believe that. So if you tell them Maximus is a big phony <laughs> and all the stories you've heard about his battles that probably fake as well. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's okay. How long is a giraffe's tongue? Oh, long enough to wank himself off. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> and if you were, if you're wondering, Ben, if you're wondering, and I am, is it possible for a giraffe to wank himself off with his tongue? All I say to you is prove it. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be another 
diabolical podcast special as I go on safari. <laughs> I think the tongue starts at the bottom of the neck as well, doesn't it? So, Yeah, wrap it around a tree branch and pull off the leaves. Imagine what else you could pull off. Very good. Any further questions? I'm just curious about the, the reveal of Tigress being three children wearing a trench coat. How, how does the fight yeah. between between them and uh, Maximus play out prior to that? Is it as in the film? or Yeah. Tigress of Gaul is not three children in a trench coat. It's just an illusion that Commodus pulls off with the help of Siegfried and Roy. Oh, uh, apologies. You know, like um, they do the, the trick now where they throw up the towel and then they duck behind the door and mm. the dog's like what yeah where did they go yeah. like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> illusions maximus illusions <laughs> illusions indeed <laughs> right well seen as second is the best we shall go for the best the best the best Maximus is rising through the ranks in the Colosseum with startling ease. He has the crowd eating out of the palm of his hand, and I can see this whole thing ending very badly. For him. From our time serving together courageously on the battlefield, I grew to know Maximus as a brother, and happened to know that he is the proud owner of a vineyard in Trujillo. They grew apples, figs, olives and grapes, and so subsequently made and bottled both olive oil and red, red wine. Although they weren't able to make a living from their produce, hence the position as commander of the legion, they had some local renown and favourable word of mouth. But now I shall fabricate the return of Maximus Montepulciano on a larger scale than he and his modest efforts could ever have dared dream. But this wine shall not be of the artisan hand-and-foot-crafted quality of previous years. Of course, I had his property and crops burnt to the ground, and so we need to source a vineyard, and one of no particular reputation, as I require the grapes to be both sour and bitter. (laughs) Incidentally, whilst the fermentation process takes place, it is important to keep feeding Maximus and the boys jobbers, with the occasional lower-upper-mid-card guy like Tigris to keep the mob of Rome placated. He'll continue to grow in stature with them, naturally, but that will make his sudden fall from grace all the sweeter. I shall need to procure the services of the best calligrapher in all of Rome to scribe me several hundred labels to attach to the bottles once my wine is ready. Montepulciano de Maximus is ready for distribution, complete with labels that inform the drinker that the quality of the wine reflects its creator's opinion of them. (laughs) Following his latest bout in the arena, the Spaniard's reputation shall take a sudden and irreversible downturn as the wine is distributed among the marks. They read the labels and let out an awe in unison thinking that their would-be champion is lavishing them with affection in label-slash-liquid form. But upon tasting the substandard bitter-sour soup, they know that they are thought of as the lowly whelps they truly are and become terribly vexed. Showering Maximus with booze, tomatoes, both rotten and certified fresh, there is no chance in Elysium that Maximus can ever challenge me again, and I shall win their affection by providing them with top-class wine at a later date. (laughs) (laughs) What's Commodus' wine called? Ooh, Commodus Chianti, Commodus... (laughs) 
what's another one begin with C? <laughs> Caesar's Shiraz. Oh yeah, there we go. That's a good one. Uh, there go. uh, the best, the best, the best. Hello. When you were at university and uh, money was tight, hmm. what was uh, the most expensive wine you drank? Uh, most expensive. Echo Falls, I reckon. Whatever was on offer in the corner shop. Exactly. And you made do, am I correct? Yeah, I'd say so. And you enjoyed it, I, I suppose? Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, I put it to you that these plebs will enjoy the wine nevertheless. Yeah. Because it's not the quality of the wine, it is the job the wine performs. <laughs> yes. Obviously, no wine is actually delicious like Coca-Cola. Yeah, it'll taste fucking same. Every single wine tastes the same. I don't care what people say. But in this instance... <laughs> oh, my God, you've uh, just shot your whole plant to pieces. What an idiot. No, I, I just said, <laughs> in this particular instance, if you listen, this is particularly bitter and sour wine with a label that says, this is what I think of you with this shit wine. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Not so many oh, words. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I was going to follow up with a question about that. This wine that you bought when you were in uni that was cheap and cheerful, did mm. that say on the label that the makers of it, this this wine presents this what we what think, think of you? Of you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably didn't. Is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Pick up a bottle of Blue Nun and it says, this is what we think of you. <laughs> <laughs> We should start our own wine complaint. It says that on the labels. I mean, that is the subtext, essentially, of all these cheap wines. But <laughs> I reckon, though, a lot of these people be making just potato wine. So if they receive this bottle of wine that's actually from grapes and stuff like that, and then it says, this is what I think of you, even though it tastes disgusting, it's going to taste better than potato wine. And uh, they're going actually, to be Adam, actually thrilled about it. I hate to make you look like a fool, but... Potatoes were brought into Europe way, way, way after the Roman Empire. Okay. Well, uh, the Roman equivalent of potatoes at the time, turnips. Yeah, turnips. Yeah. Turnip wine. Approved. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Histor- historically <laughs> accurate. <laughs> well, Ben, you're telling us that there were no potatoes, and what I'm telling you is, <laughs> you is prove it. Yeah, prove it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ridley Scott. I wish he was like my uncle. Just hang out with him all the time. <laughs> but when it's time to take his directorial mantle, you just hug him to death. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave all my hats to Emerald Fennel Craig. What? No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben. I think you'll see that I have gone for a completely different approach. Well then, let's have it. Commodus is not a moral man, but he is a resourceful man. And he understands that he must undermine Maximus in the eyes of the people or risk making a martyr of him. So he sets in motion a quata punctum concilium. First, to congratulate Maximus on his fine victory in the arena, he sends the gladiator a fine new breastplate and commands him to wear it during his next outing or be executed along with all of his gladiator pals. The very next day, Maximus strides into the sun-drenched Colosseum, the ground trembling beneath his sandals. Around him, a sea of faces, a cacophony of jeers and cheers. His armour, 
His armour, a flamboyant spectacle of sequins and feathers, jingles melodically with each step. Is that a peacock? whispers a bewildered senator. Commodus, perched on his imperial throne, beams with mischief. Not just any peacock, my dear senator. It's the pride of Rome. For part two of his Quator Punctum Concilium, Commodus commands Cassius, the game's promoter, to jazz the crowd by announcing that Maximus will face Rome's fiercest beast. In the arena, Maximus stands awaiting his foe. As the trapdoors slide back, a donkey adorned with a straw lion's mane and lipstick emerges. <laughs> the crowd roars, half in laughter, half in awe. Seems the mighty have fallen, chuckles Commodus, his eyes glinting with delight. For part three of his Quatar Punctum Concilium, Commodus commands Cassius to put Maximus in a chariot battle, with some special modifications, of course. When Maximus mounts his chariot, he realises its wheels are uneven and comically large. With the battle underway, he has no choice but to make do. The chariot spins in ludicrous circles and the crowd's laughter echoes all around the amphitheatre. Rome's champion reduced to a circus act, Commodus muses, savouring each word on his tongue as if it were a sparrow's beak. For the final part of his Quator Punctum Concilium, Commodus declares that he will erect a statue to honour Maximus. When it is unveiled, the statue is grotesquely exaggerated. Its muscles bulge four times as large as its minuscule head, and its sword bends like a wilting appendage. <laughs> the crowd cannot contain their mirth. Commodus stands, arms raised, soaking in the spectacle. Behold the jester of Rome, he declares. By now, Maximus's spirit is all but broken. He is a laughingstock and no longer holds the loyalty of the soldiers who are disgusted by what he has become. Once the games are over, Commodus has Maximus rot in a remote dungeon, while back in Rome, he declares every second Wednesday Grapes and Handies Day, thus winning the crowd's favour forever. <laughs> What's a quato pumpkin cillian? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Freaking hell is that? Quator Punctum Concilium is a four-point plan. And as oh, I was watching no. the film, it popped into my head. I wonder how you say four-point plan in so what, Latin, and that's what I based that whole plan around. <laughs> so what, the, what were the peacock and the donkey doing? So the peacock was basically Maximus in his fancy, jingly, sequin breastplate. They thought mm -hmm. he was the peacock because okay. he looked so odd and ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The donkey yeah. was supposed to be like, they, they bigged it up as a, being a lion but then he mm -hmm. came out as a donkey in a straw mane and lipstick. Mm -hmm. What does Maximus actually do when faced with the donkey? It doesn't really matter. No? People are already laughing. What happens if he just lops off its head and just like shuts everybody up by killing it? <laughs> and it says, are you not entertained? Yeah, and throws the donkey head at the uh, audience. Yeah. yeah, probably he'll do the opposite of whatever Commodus says. So Commodus will tell him to, uh, to keep it alive. And then he'll lop off its head and then Commodus will go, oh, did you see that? He just killed a helpless donkey. What a dickhead. Why would he do the opposite of what Commodus says? Because that's what he does. He's the gladiator that <laughs> defied oh, That's Nepal. interesting. <laughs> yeah. But he, he agrees to wear a sequined and feathered breastplate, does he? Because he, he knows that his gladiator pals are going to get murdered otherwise. Yeah, but wouldn't that also be true of him 
refusing to do what Commodus says with the donkey or whatever? Nah, nah, it's a direct a direct <laughs> threat from Commodus. I reckon Maximus would not agree to wear that breastplate, no matter what. So you're saying that Maximus wouldn't agree to wear the breastplate? That is what, literally what I said, yes. Prove it. <laughs> Prove it, yeah. Prove it. Uh, I, I think uh, you'll find that's check and mate. Excuse me for paraphrasing, but... Well, no, because I'm talking about proving historical facts, not the character of a fictional gladiator. I think we can speculate on what he would do, but not on whether or not there were potatoes in room. Oh, oh, if only, if only. (laughs) If only only my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say if only. (laughs) Right, okay. One thing I've learned with this is just distract you all long enough until the host moves on to the next plan. Yeah, yeah. I think it's best, first of all. I think I think none of these plans really, uh, you know, historically, factually accurate. But being as gladiator the film itself isn't, then who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, you've successfully distracted Turner there, haven't you? Because you've convinced yeah. him that I yeah. was saying that your plan wasn't <laughs> historically factually accurate when I didn't say anything of the sort. <laughs> It's all, all smoke all and mirrors, the, my friend. All the plans, all all the plans were not. That's what I said. Yeah, but that's not what I was saying about it. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. That's the most important thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's how it made you feel. All right, can I get on with my plan now, you shitbags? Please do. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Thinks Commodus as Maximus wins his match against Tigris Agul and wins the crowd again. How is he going to turn this one around? Cue Senator Falco with some sage advice and all of a sudden, a coup is uncovered and its conspirators neutralised. Now what to do with Maximus? This time, instead of recklessly setting up a one-on-one with Maximus, Falco urges a different course of action. The following night, under cover of darkness, the loyal Praetorian guard of Commodus spread across the city. Dressed as soldiers of the army that await the return of Maximus, they visit the homes of senators, judges and people of authority and influence throughout Rome and kill them and their families. The Praetorian are under solemn oath that if they reveal this plot, their lives and the lives of their families will be forfeit. At the palace, a fake attack is staged, where the Emperor's guard have apparently seen off an attempt by army scouts and assassins to capture or kill Commodus. Using the bodies of the slain gladiators for those of the army infiltrators as evidence. The staged citywide attack is used as proof that, rather than wanting to turn Rome into a republic, Maximus and his conspirators seek to install a brutal military dictatorship, eliminating any public office and elected official and installing their own. The surviving senators flock to Commodus, seeking his protection. Falco reasons with them that during this crisis, under threat of military rule and mass murder, only the strength of a Caesar is able to utterly crush this rebellion. 
The senators, fearing for their lives, fall into line behind Falco and Commodus. They set about rounding up whomever they like and hold them on whatever charge they like, and generally making people feel like Commodus is complete control. With Maximus now exposed as a political terrorist and his allies wiped out, he's now ripe for execution. Without further ado. Finn. Nutshell it for me. Nutshell it. Yeah. Basically, turn uh, Maximus from the hero to the villain. He's not actually... By fake news. Yeah, essentially. But it's like like all these like dictators like throughout history have done, they, they say that the people that are actually coming to rescue the person or the, or the authority, you know, whatever it is, the, the group coming to rescue, they're actually the ones coming to take away your freedoms to destroy people. And there's so been control like the narrative. Yeah, essentially, yeah. It was all sounding really good and, and uh, like the, the one that would definitely work. But then the one thing that I it caught me up on at the end was mm-hmm. I th- tried to put myself in the position of the people turning to Commodus for help and wondered why I would when he failed to protect the city from Maximus's army. It's a surprise attack, isn't it? And then Yeah, but in Rome, it feels like it shouldn't be doable. Well, there's, there, there was, well, Maximus was going to be at the head of that army of 5,000, and they were just going to walk into Rome, essentially, weren't they? Yeah. So what I was saying was they were going in, doing this night raid, killing all the people in powers, trying to kill Commodus, thinking they could do it under, under nightfall, be assassins and things like that, and then take the city that way, rather than just march in and stuff. That's the way Commodus and Falco had set it up, to make it look like they've tried, almost done it, but failed at last because of the Praetorian Guard and things like that. But it's the Praetorian Guard that is disguised. So correct, correct. Yeah. I guess nobody nobody witnesses the Praetorian Guard defeating Maximus's army because that would no, be it's, impossible. Uh, well, like I say, they've laid all these bodies and said, look, yeah, these are all, yeah. the, all the bodies. And the, so they've planted all the evidence and covered their bases. And then, the, like I say, the, the people that have survived them are so scared that they'll fall in line quite quickly. They're lucky they're living in an age without mobile phones, otherwise it'll all be recorded, yeah, wouldn't Snapchat, it? Snapchat, yeah, that's it. Would have been fucked. Yeah, Praetorian Guard body cams. Oh, they conveniently <laughs> got switched off right before it happened. <laughs> that's it, exactly. And the next morning, just going Mid-racist slur. <laughs> <laughs> How did they spread news in those days? Did they have, like, like tablets? Uh, yeah, they'd have to scry a, a tablet on a piece of stone. Or something like that, right. probably, or a scroll. Did they have town criers? I don't know. They had Barry criers. That, yeah, cry, med- yeah. that was that was that was a medieval thing, wasn't it, rather than a, an ancient Roman thing? Did you say they had Barry Cryer? Barry Cryer. Yeah. yeah, Barry Cryer was definitely alive during <laughs> yeah. Roman Empire. I got to tell you, this has been the hardest one in memory for me. Oh, well, that's. Good. That's good news. That can only be good things for the listeners, isn't it? Really. Well, we've if, got the camera we, off, so Craig could be looking down at his penis. <laughs> <laughs> he loves a diabolical plan, that boy. Oh, I'll tell you what, this junk is absolutely diabolical. <laughs> that's the hardest one I've experienced for a while. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. This is the most difficult one. This is the stiffest test we've faced so far. Okay. Would somebody please call the cops? 
because I'm sure an offence has been committed as those schemes must be illegal they were so diabolical. So, in summary, we had Craig's embarrassed Maximus in the Colosseum, the best of the best of the bests, insulting wine, Ben's peacock, donkey, wonky chariot, circus jester act, and my false flag effort. But there can only be one or two or three or four people getting the points this week. So, Craig, please, can you show us who you voted for? Well, like I said, this was the most difficult uh, decision for me that I can recall. I mean, two of the plans are clearly more a, a shoo-in to work. But I just had more fun with one of them in the end, and therefore uh, my vote has gone to the best, the best, the best. Ah. Naturally. Oh, good. And Ben, who have you voted for? Well, I thought three of the plans were very similar in their aim, but one of them stood out for being original and quite dastardly. So I voted for Adam. Ooh, thank you very much. And the best of the best of the best, who have you voted for? Well, I did also vote for you. Oh, thank you very much. They're all very inventive, but I've gone for one I think slightly edged it, which is... Burn. Oh, thank you. The best of the best of the best. What has that done to the leaderboard? We've got changes on the leaderboard. In Ooh. joint first place with five <gasps> points each are Adam and Ben. Ooh. In second place Ooh. with four points is Craig. And surging Ooh. up the leaderboard Ooh. in last place with two points is the best of the best. <laughs> Very good. And next week, it has come full circle once again. So the best of the best of the best has his pick for the film for us. So what's it going to be? Uh, quite quite a big one next week. Returning to a director that we have discussed before when we uh, did the American version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Next week, we're mm. going to be discussing oh. Seven. <gasps> seven! You should have said Seven. <laughs> that is huge. Seven. And that wraps things up for another week. We are available across the socials on at DiabolicalPod. So why not talk back at us? You never know. You might actually get a reply. Until next week, dear friends. Are you not entertained? Tugger's whistle's blowing, so it's time I must be going. <laughs> See you next week for more fighting around the world. <laughs> so good. That is genius. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. What was the uh, theme tunes to Gladiators? So you Do are you the, have gladiator, the, power the gladiators. Do you have the will? And the skill. Do you have the sense? The something, the heart to be a winner. It's not for beginners. Deep down in your soul. Are you a gladiator? Gladiator.